sisters. If it's your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. Website. Oh my goodness. Did I say website? Bev, please help me. I can't even handle myself. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Easy mistake. Can you start doing our intros, please? Because no. I just like can't. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notifications when we post a new episode and be sure to follow us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast so you can learn more about us, pray with us, and find authentic community. Well, I am your co-host Delaney. I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev and we are super excited to introduce we a sure very are. special <laughs> guest today. I have known Stephanie and her husband, Travis, since I was a kid. Travis was my junior high pastor who was always accompanied by his beautiful, amazing wife. And one of my favorite things about Stephanie, apart from her fierce love for Christ, is her mind. I love how she thinks about others, how she thinks about God, how she writes. She's a brilliant writer. Brilliant. Brilliant. And how she teaches. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. Wow. Thank you. That's quite an intro. Like, I don't know if I can live up to all those things, but you definitely can. And I also didn't mention that you have a multitude of beautiful children a <laughs> multitude that's right and i actually saw um walker please correct me if i'm okay. wrong the youngest weston we- yep all right so sorry weston on sunday me and adrian were um like helping out in the kids ministry oh, yeah and I, when i tell you that this little boy is the cutest boy <laughs> i've ever seen and he was like totally all over his teachers and just like with his cute little face and was like Aww. hold me hold me oh, it was so like him. it was mm-hmm. so precious they're so cute. youngest there's something about that. there's something they milk yeah. that they know they do uh-huh. they do they know how to work the family <laughs> for sure mm-hmm. well stephanie we're so glad you're here today and we we have a signature question sure. we ask ourselves back and forth and we like to ask our guests this as well and that is how has god been speaking to you mm-hmm. lately oh man so in so many ways um truly i think you know we're we're all in the same bible study right now so uh, as we walk through first samuel um boy he's he's showing me I think especially um, in these first seven chapters, how active he is mm-hmm. in times that feel dark and chaotic. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy sometimes to think like, where is he? And, um, you know, is he in control? Is he paying attention? And this narrative has just reminded me, oh yeah, he's in control. He's absolutely paying attention. But mm-hmm. more than that, he's orchestrating so many things behind the scenes because he's always working. And so what that has done, there's a phrase that keeps coming to mind, and that phrase is, um, therefore, do not lose hope, mm. or do not lose heart, too. And so, um, yeah, that's that's what he's showing me. Don't give in. Don't give up. It's a good word for today, oh, Stephanie. Man. You know, this is just another example of how mm. relevant Scripture is Absolutely. for where we're at, not only mm. personally, but even as a nation, you know. Yes, so that's that's a great word. Yeah, and it reminds me of that song, Even When I Don't See It, You're Working. Yes. Yes. And I love that the Bible gives yes. us that like overview narrative. Absolutely. And like you can also see how God speaks personally to Hannah and how he works yep. in her life personally. But then overall, as like a whole nation, how God is working yeah. through Israel. He's doing. So I love he's, that. We have to remind ourselves of that right now in this cultural moment. He's doing things for his kingdom, mm-hmm. and he's advancing his kingdom. He is. And, you know, we, he doesn't work. He, he's always going forward. He he's is. not working backwards. No. He's, he's always, not reactive yeah, like no, we are. No. Yep. Well, speaking of Hannah, yes. <laughs> um, our first question for you this morning, uh, mm. Stephanie, is would you mind sharing with us your journey mm. with infertility? 
I knew you back when, and I know God was busy in your heart during that period. So tell us about that. Yeah, thank you. I would love to tell you about that. Um, You know, it's funny, sometimes even now it's easy to forget that I have an infertility story. Oh, really? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) With four kids. With four kids. That's true. Yep. My home is full today. My arms are full, Um, but I do have a story, and in a nutshell, um, Trav and I were married in 2003, and our oldest was born in 2009. So that's six years um, before we had a child. And from the day that God gave us our Ava, she's our oldest, um, we tried to get pregnant for about three and a half years. Now, that's an easy sentence to write. Yeah. <laughs> three when you're and a half years, it, oh, that's a long how many, time. Let's talk about how many months, months cycles. You know, that's where a woman ish, dies. Yeah. 42-ish months yes, of getting uh, your disappointment. hopes up and then being disappointed. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So toward the beginning of year three, though, in that journey, we were actually able to get pregnant, um, which, you know, I'll just never forget that night when we found out, um, really felt like, okay, here's the answer we've been praying for. But really, I never considered um, there would be any reason to be concerned or worried about staying pregnant. Uh, But just a month later, I was just shy of nine weeks with that baby. Um, I went for a walk with our dog in the morning, beautiful fall day. And by afternoon, I knew something was wrong. And I ended up miscarrying that sweet little one, um, which really knocked me off my feet in like a million ways. Yeah. In fact, I... In preparing for this, I went back and read some of my journals and, and whatever, and a good friend said to me at the time, if I could write kind of a worst-case scenario for Stephanie Armstrong, this would be it. Mm. Waiting to get pregnant, getting pregnant, tasting that, and then having it taken away. Mm. Like, it was shocking. Um, I don't think I ever even considered in my mind that miscarriage was like a risk or anything, And so it really opened the door to just, um, honestly, like deep grief and disappointment in the Lord. And then through it, also in our marriage, we we grieved differently, Travis and I did. We were both super sad, obviously, um, and he was nothing but supportive and loving. But, you know, for a woman, it's just so much more personal, Hmm. um, simply because we're the one carrying that little life. And so for me, I felt... Uh, it was interesting. I felt just really this crushing kind of even shame and guilt mm-hmm. um, about not being able to sustain that pregnancy. Now, that wasn't my burden to right. carry, right? right? Like, no. But we but put that on ourselves. We, that's yeah. the flesh. It is. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I wrestled, really wrestled with the Lord. Um, How? Ex- you know, I think, well, I'll just tell you a few circumstances at the time. Um, you know, we were a young couple. Trav was in ministry. I, I wanted to say to the Lord, like, you, you kind of owe us this, right? That's That was my flesh. Mm. Like, why wouldn't you give us a baby? Mm-hmm. Um, at the very same time, we were even, you know, all my friends were having babies. I'd been on the sidelines for a long time. You know that, Beth, yeah, from when you met me. It was a I wound do. in yes, me. Yes, and I, I felt it and sensed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really hard. Um, we were the only ones on staff without kids. There's just a lot where I constantly felt like on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, God just providentially even had us walk with a student who got pregnant. And um, that one was like, ripped my heart out yeah. um, hard. And 
you know, we, we walked really closer with her. And in the end, I was in the delivery room. I held her baby before she did. Um, That had to have taken a lot of strength and courage in the Lord. It did. It, it was definitely tough. Um, but I I think so. So my wrestle was there. Like why, why no to us? Why yes to these other scenarios? Like, you know, there's just a lot of, um, what it what is pregnancy what is motherhood what what does it become to me and so um part of our story though is that as that was all unfolding especially post miscarriage we really started sharing like our pain with people who loved us um, including you bev Mm -hmm. i just remember back to the bible study i was in at that very moment i think night one i fell apart because i think i miscarried the day before yeah wow (laughs) yeah so I mean, it was yeah. raw. You were, yeah, it very. was very raw. Um, at the same time, medically, our my doctor was like, "Yeah, I think it's time to start infertility treatments." And so we enrolled in that program. Got you know our insurance all lined up, and and then at the same time, though, people really uh, surrounded us and began to go to battle for us in prayer. Mm. And um, just real specifically, I remember we were at family camp. We were serving there. And late one night, we were up with a whole bunch of um, couples and adults, and um, it was kind of a time when everybody would share what's going on with you, and and we shared kind of where we were and the rawness of it all, and they prayed over us, and like I'll never forget that moment. It was it was so beautiful. I felt so vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and yet I felt so tenderly seen and cared for by God but through his people. Yeah. And um, I'll just fast forward, but we ended up getting pregnant like weeks after that. Wow. I mean, it was just, and that was Ava. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, if you looked at me today, <laughs> I have four kids and Ava will always represent um, God's faithfulness to us. Like she was the the long-awaited yeah. opening of the womb. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the expression. Yeah. Samuel. Yep. And then Carter came 18 months later. And so he just represented like, oh my goodness, God's grace just being poured out. It, like we didn't even think about him and boom, there he was. And then three and a half years later, um, God gave us Walker, which was just pure delight, honestly. Mm. Um, above and beyond what above you Above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And really, my, my two kids prayed faithfully for a year for him. And mm. so... That's beautiful. Yeah, it was so sweet. We were kind of like good with two. And they just every night would, in their prayers, really? say like, Jesus, would you give us a baby? And we were like, wow, well, you're going to the source. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure if dad and mom are on board with this, but <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. so interesting. Isn't that sweet? Yes. In fact, they both drew little pictures of me pregnant with a baby, like while I was pregnant and I did not know. And I said, like, who's this other little thing in this picture? Oh, mommy, that's our wow. baby. And I was pregnant. Prophets. Got clo- you right? got prophets. Childlike <laughs> faith. That's some childlike faith right there. Woo. Yes. And then three and a half years later, Weston, who mm-hmm. was just shocker of all shockers. Yeah. But I mean, just God's goodness. So I was smiling so big <laughs> when I saw four, Lord. Four. And this woman was so broken. Oh, man. But these stories of infertility don't always have a happy ending. They sure don't. They sure don't. And Mm -hmm. our hearts go out to those who are still wrestling with that. But there is, I think there can be a point of really giving in and surrendering to God's plan for your life. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just like Hannah. Mm -hmm. She was at her wit's end. Uh And then 
um, poured her heart out to the Lord and was just in a desperate place. And he blessed her with a child and then many more children. I know. Yeah. And he blessed the Lord. She blessed the Lord before yeah, she sure was did. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, that, boy, is that a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I'm not so sure I'm so good at that. Yeah. Blessing the Lord and I'm still yeah. in my pain. Right. right? Mm-hmm. That, right? Yeah. that is definitely a heart work. Yeah. Well, looking back, like how do you view that season of your life? Hmm. Like what would you say is like maybe the biggest thing that you learned about God? You know, that's, it's a great question. Um, I actually loved thinking about this one mm-hmm. um, because it was so, truly it was so pivotal. It was a, it was a massive marker in my spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, it was a pruning time, meaning that through the process, God revealed just some things in my heart and mind um, that needed to be tended to and realigned. But honestly, when I look back on that, I, I see the kindness of God so mm. much as he pursued me right where I was in my pain, which was messy. You know, like now I can look back and kind of neatly, <laughs> neatly um, describe it and tie it up with a bow. In the moment, though, oh, my goodness, very raw, very hard. Um, I, I think I would describe it as one of those best, worst times of your life. Yeah. Right? Like, hated that it happened, um, hard journey, but wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to go back. You yeah. don't want to relive it. Exactly. But what but it marked me forever. so valuable. Yes. Yeah. And so even, I'll tell you, Bev, I was in that study with you yeah. um, and some other godly women. It was a really foundational study. Um, that God just used to show me, honestly, like who he was. Um, And he he really captured my heart in a fresh way. And I say that because I realized I was so hungry for him. Um, And the timing of it was so purposeful. I think I was really wrestling, wrestling with sorrow and disappointment. And he was kindly and patiently and loving me showing lovingly showing me who he was and has always been and so if I look back Psalm 33 was so dear to me Um, verse 4 says for the word of the Lord is right and true he is faithful in all he does then it goes on to say in verse 18 but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And so in that, I mean, that's where I was, learning to trust God, learning to put my hope in God. And what God revealed to me that was honestly probably the most shocking is I had somewhere along the line um, taken this really good thing, this God-given desire to be a mom, and it had become an idol Mm. in my life. Mm. Now, I never would have thought, like, how could that be an idol? That's a good thing, though, right? But that very good thing, it took the place of God in many ways. It it became this um, almost a bargaining chip with the Lord, too. Mm. All-consuming. Um, it was a stumbling block for me. Everything became conditional right. in my relationship with him based on that. And mm-hmm. so as um, has God just really sweetly showed me that, kind of gently one little revelation at a time, I realized I could trust him. And my story did echo Hannah's. 
um, because God took me on that journey. And I would say that he did what, for me, what he did for Hannah, he settled my heart with him Mm. before he gave us Ava. And so um, I really did get to a place, he got me to a place where I was able to, of course, still pray for a child, but this time with like a posture of surrender. Um, It was much more open-handed. Motherhood was not the center of my worship. And I had to be really intentional to not focus on it. So that looked like, you know, if you're, if you're in the infertility world, you're tracking everything. You're, you're writing stuff down every day, hourly sometimes. And I stopped all of that. um, And I just kind of made this decision that I, I wanted the Lord to heal me and sustain me. And if he gave me a baby, I would praise him. And if he did not, I would mm-hmm. praise him. And so that was hard fought. Like it, that didn't happen overnight. Surrender. Mm-hmm. Surrender. Yeah. But if I look back, the, the big takeaway was it had become an idol. And um, God was so gracious to let me see that. Yeah. You know, I've just been reviewing Rosario Butterfield's mm. first book, yeah, The right. Unlikely Convert. And in there, she was calling her infertility and pregnancy an idol. And I stopped at it. And then to hear you say it again today, wow. you know, no one who hasn't experienced that can say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to have experienced Absolutely. it in order to know how desperate you can become. Yeah. And yeah. To, I think we always think of idols as bad things right. that take our attention. But here, that, that was hard for me to get to that place of I calling bet. it an idol because yes. I, I just kept going back to, but so God good. put this in me and, you know, I want this and I want it so, so that I can bless his name, not just because I want a house full of kids, yeah. but yeah. Or I feel like an idol. we make it an idol or we make it a source of our identity. So yes. like if I don't have children, I'm yes. a failure. I'm yeah. not a woman. Like we yeah. make it, we make it such a dark thing. And yeah. when we live in our identity and we live the way that God has called us, it can be a desire. It can be something we grieve through, but it doesn't need to be, get us to such a dark place where I'm like, I'm a failure if I don't have children. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that deep sense of identity yeah. is not tied to if I have kids or not, that's if I'm right. married or not, that's if right. I'm have the house or not, like yep. that's not who I am. Yep. It's not based on that. Good word, Delaney. I Very appreciate good. that. So after all this discussion about infertility, what yeah. do you want to say to a woman out there who's listening, mm-hmm. who's there? Yeah. So, I mean, there's many things, right? Um, and I would say one thing is that everybody everybody walks through this in their own way. So um, one thing that I would say, though, is exactly what we saw um, of Hannah in, in 1 Samuel when she says to Eli, who thinks she's drunk based on the way that she's praying, um, she says, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I've been out here praying in my great anguish and grief. And you know, I love that she describes her prayers as pouring out her soul because that's what I think is so natural in this journey is you have so many deeply personal emotions, um, and that's true of any loss or disappointment. And so I think sometimes we're tempted to, like, hold that all in because it, it's messy. Yeah. But I think Hannah's story really validates that we don't have to do that because we have a place to go with all of that. And um, her pain drew her to the Lord and not from him. She brought it all to to the God and poured it out before him. And so I think that that would be my advice. My first thing is pour it out to the Lord. Don't hold it back. Um, go to Jesus. Be honest. He's, he is a safe place. He's our refuge. Uh, Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 say this, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. 
he heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. I love that visual of him turning his ear to the sound of our voice. And so, you know, it's important that that we pour out our heart. I also think it's equally important that we take time to be still. Hmm. And we know that he's God. And we listen. Um, I would say even as we've talked about in, in this narrative, that we also look back on our life. Um, on narratives in the Bible, and we recount the ways that he has been faithful. Um, That really helps build our faith, right? And it helps us realize how worthy of our trust he truly is. It restores your hope when you look back. It does. Yeah. And it's not, um, you know, sometimes sometimes we're so in it, we can't even see that. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's also good to go to the Word and just read the stories of other faithful and not so faithful um, saints who have walked with God and see, just like in in 1 Samuel, see how God still, though, remained and how he was present with them even when it felt like everything was falling apart. Yeah, and yeah. he had a, a, a wonderful divine plan. He did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love how you brought up pouring out your soul because I feel like sometimes in moments when we are pouring out our soul, mm-hmm. we feel like, I'm crazy. Why am I doing this? What is this going to do? Like, what Mm -hmm. is the purpose? I'm just sad. Like what, what's going to happen now? And just what you said in that passage and just how like that intimacy and just being vulnerable with God really is such a powerful thing, just like Hannah did. So I'm really glad that you Mm. brought that up because I feel like we all can be in seasons in our life, whether it's infertility or not, where we're pouring out our soul about something. Yeah. Yep. Like we all are in those kind of seasons. So I'm glad that you said that because I have felt that, like, I'm pouring out my soul to you, but, like, I'm alone, and what is really happening? Are you even there? Are you listening? Like, what is this going to do? And I think that's key, Delaney, is, you know, yes, we pour out, but then we also want to listen. Yes. Right? And and, Mm -hmm. and we're not necessarily going to hear an audible voice (laughs) speaking back to Mm -hmm. us, but everything in God's Word is His voice speaking back to us. And so, um, you know, God didn't change my circumstance right away, and so I think I'd also encourage somebody don't base your hope or don't base your um, relationship on the Lord with an answer one way or the other, mm-hmm. because he may or he may not give us what we ask. But I think what what I find so um, amazing about him is he may not have changed my circumstance right out of the gate, but he sure changed me. Amen. And that's what I needed mm-hmm. most of all. Um and he drew me close to him. And so I look back on those days, and yep, they were hard. Um, they felt lonely sometimes, but God was never sweeter than he was then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've experienced that now again many times, but he was so tender to me. And so, you know, his I, I found him to be so faithful. And I say that not because he gave me Ava, although he was faithful in that. He was faithful to because I began to see he's exactly who he says he is. Mm. So when I would go to the word and I would read like, um, you know, a passage, like I will give you um, perfect peace because you trust in me. He did. Yeah. And so I started to like, like write those things down. Like, wow, I'm needy and he's filling me. I'm hopeless and he's giving me hope. I'm shaky and he's my sure foundation. You know, there were all these characteristics about God that just like things I had known in my head my whole life, but really became heart 
well, level experiencing experience. them like yeah. we don't always experience all those attributes until we're in that place yes which there's so much beauty in that yeah but thank you for sharing just yeah. how you poured your heart out to the lord mm-hmm. that's just so beautiful and mm-hmm. i'm sure it was kind of hard also to look back on those times yeah. you forget you know though it's mm-hmm. good to look back on it it I, is good. you know I, it does bring back sometimes the emotion of it but i also just think gosh lord you have look at the look at the road we've walked yeah. together I mean, he's but been the beauty good. of it is even more. It is. So thank you for yep. sharing that. What huh. would you say now talking about parenting? Okay. Um, what have you learned about God as you've been parenting now in this new right. season, this shift? Right. A decade of parenting. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'll say is that I've only been parenting a decade. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. here, I'll share some things he's taught me, but I, I sure am not the, the expert here. Uh, nor do I have proven results yet. My kids are still <laughs> in my home. So... <laughs> One thing, though, he is teaching uh, me always is that he, especially as it relates to my kids, um, he is enough and I am not. Hmm. And so my weaknesses in parenting actually help me um, depend more on him. And it, in a way, it, then it frees me from feeling like I have to perform as a parent. But I want my kids to understand that I'm not their answer. Hmm. Like I'm their, I'm their help. But ultimately, what they always are going to need is Jesus or a word from Jesus, right? And so, um, you know, he's he's showing me. I know that's a popular message like, oh, you're enough. You're enough. You know, God made you just the way you are. You're enough for your kids. And oh, I'd like to address that someday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. That's you're really not. not true. It's not yeah. true. And it's a, it's very, it's, it's a trap because it then it makes us feel like, yikes well then I better like step up to the plate it's all yeah, on me it is right and, it, and that's what he's shown me is no actually you're not enough and that's not a shame inducing no. thing that's a freedom perspective and it's truth it is truth but it is he truth. is enough so I'm like can we change the slogan yes I'm is. not enough he is enough he is enough what an Absolutely. important lesson you're teaching your children in that mm-hmm. I hope so right um I think another thing mm-hmm. he showed me is he is so patient and kind with my sanctification. And so my kids need that same grace extended to them. Mm. And um, if, if my four kids were sitting here, they would all testify that patience is not my strong suit. That I am, hey, I am quick to. We all. Uh, <laughs> want I'm not gonna more. lie and say it's mine either. No, but, uh, when I thought I was patient until I had children. Until <laughs> I had children, really, uh-huh. yeah, and then facts. multiple children. Then yeah. you really realize, wow, mm-hmm. this is a lifelong struggle. Um, so I just have to remember, they're all under construction, and so am I. Mm-hmm. And the way that God parents me is the way that I'm to reflect Him to them, even. And so that's always challenging. Um, I think something else is just that he's the source of everything I need. Um, there's so much out there to aid us and help us, and lots of it is good. But ultimately, I can find everything I need to do a great job, to do the, God, the job that God has called me to when I go to him. Yeah. Best parenting book around, right here absolutely. in my hand, the Bible. The Bible, absolutely. Uh, you know, parenting, I've heard it say, is, is a, a long game of slowly transferring their dependence on me to their dependence on him. Mm. And so it's just, you know, at the beginning, they do, of course, need me. Like, I'm their source of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but as they grow, I hope to wean myself off of their dependence and not so that they become more independent and confident in themselves, mm-hmm. um, but so that they will throw it 
on the Lord instead of just on me. Yeah, it seems like dad. God prepared you to even say that. Like you were in so you had to surrender right. during infertility, and now you're yeah. gonna have to keep surrendering Absolutely. during parenting. Absolutely, it's like those years to me sound like it was God preparing you mm-hmm. for this. A hundred percent. Yep. So on the other hand, that's what you've learned about God and yeah. what He expects from you. But yeah. how? What have you learned about yourself? I think it's it is such an um, parenting really reveals what's truly inside oh, yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. You can fool yourself up until you're a parent uh-huh. and you're you're faced with your I would say almost demons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, absolutely. Or until you're married. Yeah, marriage can do that too. Yeah, marriage is wherever like stage it's one close relationship where there's a lot of rubbing. I yes. was a good person. Yeah, and I'm like maybe not. <laughs> Always uh, work in progress, right? I think. Um, couple things I've learned. One is that seasons are a gift. And so in, in motherhood, it's sort of a transition constantly from one phase to another, yes. right? Just when we think, okay, we've, we've nailed it. We're getting this phase. Then like that child moves into a different struggle or developmental thing or whatever. And um, that was frustrating to me at the beginning. Like, why can't this just stay consistent, yeah. you know? But I have now come to realize that as even the seasons change outside, that's God's gift. It's like a constant renewal, a constant um, digging up for the next thing. And so um, they give me perspective. So I think not mm. drowning in where I'm at right now, doing the best I can where I'm at right now, but knowing like this isn't going to last forever. So I need to also not put all my eggs in nailing this particular struggle of this particular season. Um, something else that I have learned is there's a lot of mundaneness to motherhood. There's a lot of unseen, invisible work. Yeah. That's how it feels, yeah. right? With, with, with no kudos. With mm-hmm. no kudos. <laughs> with Yeah, it, it just sometimes you can really drown yeah. in like, you know, I, I, I laugh with Travis. He'll come home and the house is worse than he left it <laughs> some days. <laughs> and yet I've been busy. Like I haven't mm-hmm. sat still. And, and so you can drown sort of in the defeat of like, ah, nobody realizes what I'm doing all day, but I'm working hard all day. Mm -hmm. And so I, God has taught me that those things though, are my opportunity to really worship him in that. Um, I can either grumble in it or I can thank him for the privilege of all the things, the laundry, the endless cooking, the, even just maintaining a home. Like it's, it's a lot, but it's all a gift that he's given me to steward. And so, um, I'm always trying to land there and not in the, oh, I'm so um, defeated. I'm I, Nobody you know, cares what I do. Right. None of that is true. And yeah. even better, he sees everything that yeah, I do. Yeah, that's right. one of his yes. names. Yes. I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but maybe one of you do. Well, do you remember that? When, the, with, which one? When he was when he saw Hagar. Hagar, the god oh, of Hagar. The god who yeah. sees. Yeah, the god, god who sees. sees. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, too, parenting teaches you how to serve. Yes. All that you're talking about is serving. It is. And I never knew quite what serving was mm-hmm. until I had to serve thankless, yeah. behind the scenes, yep. humble myself, yep. and do those small things all day long. All day long. Mm-hmm. Mm. We said often in student ministry that student ministry is usually a ministry of delayed fruit. So you plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, and you don't necessarily see them take root 
until years later, and God may or may not allow you to see it. Yes. Parenting is a yes. similar thing. Are you encouraged? As, recent, <laughs> as a person who's recently been a child, I will say that a thousand percent. Like my, the things that my parents taught me, the lessons, the scripture verses, mm-hmm. like I did not care. I will tell you right now at the time, did not care. It was like, get me out of Awana. I can't handle this. <laughs> like I'm done with it. But now I am so grateful yep. for the foundation for them teaching me how to read the word, yep. like all of the things. All of the things. So yeah. it is delayed fruit. It's delayed fruit, yeah. And 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 so the trick is not to give up, right? Mm. Not to grow weary in mm. doing good because we will reap a harvest in due time. But um, that's one thing. I think another thing you said this earlier, Delaney, is just learning that um, about myself. Motherhood is one part of who I am, but it's not everything. Mm. And so my identity is in who God says I am and not in what I do. And I have to remember that um, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a lot of things just like you guys. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm, there's a lot. And so um, we have to be careful that we don't define our whole world based on this one role, although yeah. it is amazing, a privilege. It's Such a wonderful a yeah. role. It is. But it's also a calling to be um, a wife. It's a calling to be in the workplace. I mean, there's a million ways, right, that this can flesh out. And so I think keeping motherhood in its its proper place. um, Yeah. And then not to raise your children like that's their highest calling is to be a wife and to be a mom. My first calling is always to be a follower of Christ. Yes. And then those things are of high importance, of course. Yep. But also not raising them like this is what you need to be. Like first I'm a Christ follower. Yep. So I love that you brought that up. Um, what about your marriage with Travis? We haven't talked about Travis like that much, (laughs) honestly. Give us the scoop. Yeah. How how is like having children though, like really change your guys' relationship? It's totally changed our relationship. Um, you know, I think the, the scoop is that he's amazing. Really. He's this good, at home, if not better than mm. um, who he is at church. But I will say, we said this earlier, marriage is sanctifying, right? That is yeah. your first crack at, ooh, this is the real me coming <laughs> yes, out and everyone yes. seeing, he's seeing it, right? <laughs> Parenting is your second mm-hmm. <laughs> level of that. And so I feel like parenthood puts our weaknesses even more clearly on display. Um, but, uh, but it also creates so many opportunities to love and serve each other well. Mm. And so I think the way that it's probably changed for us the most is, um, especially we're, we're coming out of a decade of the really, um, physically draining years. Yeah. Okay. The little baby, the little, yeah. yeah. So we have a, a 12 and a half year old and a three year old. Uh, so things are shifting a little bit Mm -hmm. for us, but this, this last decade, um, I would say, we have had to be very intentional to carve out time for each other. And when I say that, I think the the common thing is, oh, so date night. Well, that's lovely, but that didn't happen all that often for us. Um, we don't have uh, parents and siblings that live here and in the state. And mm-hmm. so we had to figure out like how to be very creative to minister to one another, right? Okay, I'm picturing you yeah. and Travis in the car having a date night oh my goodness. during COVID. During COVID, I wrote it down oh. and you saw it on my Instagram. I did. 
I that did. Was I I like our lifeline for a long time. <laughs> that I, we so spent sweet. more hours in the car during those lockdown months than we have in years. Yeah, because that was like our one place we could escape. We could leave them in the house. Yeah, and we could be in the driveway. Turn that or, baby monitor on. Seriously, leave them in there. <laughs> on a on a hair wild hair, we'd go get ice cream or something. But yeah. that's what I mean. Like yeah. you can't limit yourself to it looking one particular way. I will tell you. Here's a good story. I'll brag on him. Um, there was a season. And I, I believe my oldest was like kindergarten, and then I had a preschooler, and then I had an infant. And um, he was really busy in ministry at the time, too. And so just kind of drowning, like in, in motherhood that felt like it was 24 hours a day. And he saw me in that moment, and he came to me and said, hey, how about on Mondays if I come home, you know, at 5 or whatever, and, and you don't make dinner? I'll do dinner. I'll do like bath time, play time. You just take, uh, when Ugh. I get there, I want you to leave. Oh, <laughs> that was bedtime like, routine is so tedious. I know. He's like, <gasps> you don't him. even have to eat with us. Just go get your favorite takeout and do whatever you want. If you need oh, a night amazing. to sit in a coffee shop, if you want to go shopping, if you want, like whatever you need, let's just plan on Mondays. And it lasted like a school year that he wow. gave me every Monday. Now, that's not been possible in every season, so I don't hold him to that standard. But I'll tell you, it was so life-giving, and that was an opportunity where I saw him serve me hmm. for no reason other than he just he wanted me to feel like seen and appreciated. And he also knew I was a better me when I came home exactly. yes. with a little bit of a break and filled up again. Yes. Um, and so that was such a sweet that had to have been thing. good for your marriage, right? Oh, there. it was so good for because my marriage. Because you just feel so loved yes. when we serve each other like yes. that. Yes, and let me tell you, I was happy to see him when I got home. Like it I was, bet. It was a great thing. And then there have been seasons where he has needed something. He's played and he loves the game of soccer. He's a soccer coach. He played, you know, in college and all that. And so he has been in like a soccer league a couple different times throughout our marriage. And that's a sacrifice. Like, sure it is. It, you know, same thing, like to be gone. But... I, I saw in that season he needed that release. He it was needed life-giving something. For him. It was life-giving. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of give and take, I think, in marriage. And, and parenting has changed our marriage in that we have, if we're going to survive this, and yeah. we do want to survive it, yeah. we want to we want to thrive in it too, we are going to need to see each other and yeah. serve one another. And that's what your kids need most. They do. They need to see a healthy relationship between mom and dad. We tell them that all the time. Um, in fact, sometimes we tell them that like if we're going to do a date night or we're sure. going to do something that's going to require a little sacrifice on their part or a sitter coming or whatever, we'll say, listen, we're doing this, number one, because we need a break from you. <laughs> number <laughs> number Good two. Good for them to know. <laughs> I know. Number two, though, the best gift we can give you other than Jesus, and when we spend our days trying to give you, point you to Jesus, is mom and dad who love each other. Mm -hmm. The very best thing we can give you. And so in order for us to love each other, we need to spend time together too. And yeah. so, you know, what they what they get from that, I don't know yet, but I hope that they will even just hear those words as a memory. Oh, yeah. That mom and dad love each other mm -hmm. and that we're intentional to do that. And so, um, you know, it's not, it's not easy. We're, we definitely have to carve it out to make it happen. And, and we got a budget for it and all that stuff, but 
it's so worth it. It is so worth mm-hmm. it. Well, let's kind of wrap up here with you. Uh, the last two questions are questions that a lot of Christian women have, and, mm-hmm. and you would be one to ask. Just share with us your best parenting tips on how to raise kids to love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then included in that, I know, will be prayer, but how do you pray yeah. for your kids? Sure. Okay. Well, I'll say I'll answer the first one with the caveat once again that <laughs> our kids aren't grown yet, so you know we're doing our best, but we're no expert. As I kind of thought through this question, like how do I raise them to really love Jesus? I think the thing where the place where Travis and I have landed the most is um, there are so many things that we we can be doing, that we could be doing, that we should be doing, that we are doing, but the number one thing is if I want them to be Jesus lovers, they need to see that I'm a Jesus lover mm. and and their dad. And so um, I think that's, that's kind of the paramount thing, is that we want them to see that we have a real, um, authentic, dynamic faith. And so when I say that, um, we want them to see that our who we are in public is exactly who we are at home. And um, all of this time that we spend helping other people with, you know, they see us serving a lot because of their dad's role. All of the time we spend in the word and teaching and, and all of that, it, we do it because it's our lifeline. Not, we, don't, we don't serve because serving is our lifeline. <laughs> we believe what's in this book. Mm-hmm. And we, it, it is life to us. Jesus is life to us. And so um, I think the number one thing is that we just want them to see us pursuing him. Uh, in a real way. And so that looks like, um, particularly for my kids that are a little bit older, um, just talking to them all the time about what God's teaching us. Um, I think in particular what's happening in the world and how we as believers handle that, how we filter it, where our faith comes into play. And so, um, you know, we're having continual dialogues with them all the time about, hey, as they're as we're watching a show together or a right. movie, take or whatever. them back to truth. Always, it's always our goal to weave the sacred into the secular, hmm. and um, to just have kind of um, a spiritual component that we can draw into every conversation. No, you know, I, we don't do that in every conversation, but we sure do it in a, in a lot. And so we try. I try not to let myself. I'm a type one person, so if someone hands me a list of like 25 things you should do for your kids. I'm pretty much going to drown in the shame of I only got to six today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't usually operate well with here's our, you know, non-negotiables. I, it needs to be a lot more from my heart mm-hmm. and a, a lot more honest mm-hmm. um, for it to be real. And so. Um, and kids can sniff out real. Oh, man. It, oh, they're good they at can. that. They can. And Delaney, you, you would understand because we're raising ministry kids. Oh, yeah. Right? And so yeah. I always feel the weight of that, too. Like, I just don't want them to see, ever see their dad and I faking a performance mm-hmm. or um, trying to sell something we don't believe. Yeah. I could see, like, with my parents, not that they were faking, but I could also tell when they were struggling when no one yes. else could sense it. Like, I n- always knew. Like, yeah. when it was the times where I'm like, yeah, it was really hard for us to get here today. Yeah. And they're really trying to serve the Lord and do what they're you know, what they're yeah. being called to do. I saw that. I wasn't seeing, I mean, they're... Perfection. Yeah. Right. yeah. Not perfection. And they had genuine faith, but 
even that and then them being honest with us about that like yes. being honest like okay this was hard for us to get here today but yep. we want to push through and serve the lord and this yep. is why and just having yep. conversations about that was important to me uh, good i'm so glad to hear you say that because that is kind of my prayer for them is that we would be honest about that you know what's appropriate mm-hmm. like we're not spilling dirt in front yeah, of them or anything totally. but that we would be real and mm-hmm. that they would see that our faith is real. It's not perfect. It it wavers like everybody else some days. Um, but Jesus is enough, and he is a sure foundation. And so um, that's kind of my hope. I want them to um, see us even imperfectly every day in God's word. Uh, and by his grace, you know, we try to make that happen. Um, we do a lot of, like, natural rhythms. So as the seasons change, like, we're moving, you know, into – pre-Thanksgiving stuff right now, right? So it's the perfect opportunity for us to, as, as we watch nature change, like we usually will shift our focus um, at home to like the goodness of God in change, the um, the creation narrative we like to revisit because this is like a perfect opportunity to see all that he's yeah. made. And, and that is so cycles. exalted today. It is. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, gratitude that it's no better time to read like through Exodus with them because you watch the nation of Israel. God does these huge things for them, delivers them, pulls them out of a terrible place in Egypt. And then they grumble and they complain. And so as you go into Thanksgiving, it's just like, oh, man, that's a good time to revisit. Like, what are we doing? And, and how are we appreciating what God's doing for us? And and Christmas, you know, we do a lot of Advent stuff with them. And so we, I think people die under the rigid, like, you have to do things a certain way at home. I, I would say if your heart is right with the Lord and you are pursuing him as a parent, the other stuff is going to fall into place and you're going to naturally want to incorporate wonderful truth to them all the time we have kids in public school so we view our time at home with them as uh, discipleship 101 Mm -hmm. we have to counter some of the things um, that they're going to encounter and so you know we take seriously our and this is this has become more serious as we have matured more and as our kids are maturing Mm -hmm. so when they're home with us like we try to maximize the moments. Um, and boy, does it help to have a former youth pastor as a, as a husband and a <laughs> yeah, dad. Lots of Everything's activities an, there. An object lesson. <laughs> but that's kind of our, our passion that we wouldn't beat them over the head with like, you know, it's gotta be, you're going to sit for an hour mm-hmm. and we're going to do this, that, and the other, but that it be more organic and that it would be more just heartfelt. Um, so that they can see. So I don't know if that's a... Yeah, that's... I hope that's, that's encouraging. Very really helpful. <laughs> very helpful. Okay. You're, you're freeing a lot of parents. I, so. I agree. And yeah. what about your praying? So my praying ebbs and flows, not that I sometimes don't pray for them, but the way that I do it, yeah. um, I keep a little set of prayer cards um, at my kitchen sink when I do the, the dishes, and they are different topics with different scriptures. And so and the, there's a picture in each one of all four of my kids. So I cycle through those often um, to just pray kind of general character qualities over them. Um, One thing that I've tried to be really intentional about, especially now when they're in school, is that as I go about those mundane things throughout the day, if I'm folding Ava's laundry, I want to be praying while I'm folding it about her. Just as the Lord, you know, like, you know activities i fold her volleyball jersey okay, i want to pray over this whole it's thing it's capturing for her. those and moments yes it, it mm-hmm. is and i i find that i don't 
again, I will, I will drown if I have to submit to sitting down, doing the same list every day at a particular time. Life just happens, especially with little kids, like there are interruptions constantly. So in this season, what works for me is capturing the moments Mm -hmm. as I'm dropping them off at a friend's house. I'm praying with them on the way, or I'm praying, you know, after I drop them off. And so I think, um, yeah, that's probably the best way that I have incorporated prayer is just keeping it fluid. Yeah, I really love that because I definitely feel that. I'm like, I really wish I could be the person that woke up at 4 a.m. and did an hour prayer time. And I'm like, I can't get up today. I so know. that I, is yeah. really freeing. And so you know what? You. That's a, that's the beauty of seasons right mm-hmm. there. Because there, I think there will be a season when that's exactly how I pray And I'm them. there. You're there. You, I'm there. You, you I don't schedule do anything in the morning. I yeah. got no kids yanking on me exactly. or wanting breakfast. Yep. I mean, I can get up even a little later. I used to try to get up so early, and they always heard me up every time. <laughs> How is that? Exactly. I think it's the coffee maker. Oh, I tell you, I <laughs> know. Every time. I can't. I literally will do my stuff during my break at work. Yeah, right. You just got to take I, the moments I can't that do them God gives He knows. You, they right? have, like, secret special ears, and they, they sense they do, your huh? presence. Like, I don't even know. But thank you for sharing all of this and just your vulnerability and just there was so much freedom and the words that you shared. Mm. So thank you for sharing all that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad you could come on. Would you mind praying over Stephanie, Bev? Mm. I would. I'd love to. Are you kidding? Oh, Lord, how we love Stephanie. Mm. So many of us just know her and love her and love her heart. Love to watch her faith in action, Lord, through life as life happens to her. Thank you, Lord, for being the ever-present help in trouble for Stephanie. Thank you, Lord God, for blessing her with four children. But before she got there, like Hannah, Lord, that she had surrendered to your plan for her life. What an example for me. I pray now, Father, that as her and Travis serve this church and serve in so many ways in the home and at church, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would empower, would lead, direct, that they would see the fruit of their ministry, enough fruit so that they would indeed be constantly encouraged right when they need it. Continue to guide and direct that ministry, Lord, that it would be most pleasing and most according to your plan. And we just thank you again for this great sharing on parenting in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming. 